You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Personal Testimony. Hello my radio friends. Welcome to today's program. This time I want to share with you something about myself in the hope that you will be encouraged to trust in God no matter what. Probably the Bible verse that best fits the testimony I present to you today is found in Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall make your paths straight. As human beings, we are not given insights to know the future. That is the realm of God. But as we trust the Lord, he will direct us, so that things will work out for the best. I am the third child of a family of four. As I've mentioned a number of times in the past, most of my childhood was spent on a farm near the River Murray in South Australia, about halfway between Manham and Swan Reach. I'm very grateful to have had such an interesting place to live, as we had river valley areas where we grew fruit, lucerne and vegetables for the market, We had dairy cattle, sheep, and grew cereal crops on the high ground. Besides that, our land abutted the river, where we were able to catch and net fish. We also had a boat and part of an island. My parents were hard-working and industrious and prospered. Dad was the son of a farmer. My mother, however, was the youngest daughter of a Seventh-day Adventist minister, Pastor Sidney Watson. My great-uncle Charles was the world president of the Seventh-day Adventist church during the early years of the Great Economic Depression in the 1930s. Mum was a capable and cultured woman. She was a good cook and very talented at music, could play violin, piano, organ and piano accordion. She sometimes wrote poetry and was a good singer. She was a dressmaker and made dresses for local ladies, did recitations at concerts and, in my opinion, was the most talented person in the district where we lived. Both my parents were examples of people who lived according to what is written in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Both my parents were Christians, and we went to church on Saturday almost every week. In the mornings, each day after breakfast, before setting off to work or school, my father would invite the whole family to kneel down and he would pray, mostly the Lord's Prayer. As a small boy, I was encouraged to pray before going to sleep at night, and I still remember my first prayer. As I review my childhood, 
There were many positive influences encouraging me to have a personal relationship with Jesus. For my eighth birthday, I was given a Bible, a picture Bible, a King James Version. I enjoyed reading and read all the books in my parents' library. So reading my Bible was something I liked. I particularly enjoyed the Gospels and the Book of Acts in the New Testament and the narrative parts of the Old Testament. If any of you listeners are parents of young children, you would do well to provide all the positive influences you can for your children. Give them character-building books to read. Don't let your children grow up with the kind of morality, or rather lack of it, that's shown on popular television programs. Don't let your children be part of the kids' cartoon culture. So much of what is presented on children's television programs is utter garbage, and there are some very sinister messages that are presented there as entertainment. Well, we didn't have television. I had books and nature and industry. I wasn't exposed to adult themes. I was lucky to grow up as a child doing what children should be able to do. Now back to the Bible. At school, 32 kilometres distant and an hour's bus ride from our home, for 30 minutes each week all the children had to attend religious instruction classes. The children were divided into groups and, as was the case in my school, one class was for the Lutherans, one for the Catholics and one for all the other Protestants. The local ministers and priests came to give the instruction. I was in the other Protestant group and quite often the minister in charge would give Bible quizzes. Because I was familiar with my Bible, I often won the quizzes. Often I was surprised how ignorant of Bible facts the other children in my group were. At the age of 15, I seriously thought that I needed to make a decision of whether I wanted to commit myself to Christ and what the Bible taught, or reject it and go my own way in the world. In reality, it was not a hard decision, but I want to assure you listeners that it was my own decision. It's not a good plan to accept any belief system because your parent or parents were of that persuasion, because your grandfather was, say, a Catholic, and because your father is a Catholic is not a good enough reason for you to be a Catholic or whatever. That's a very narrow way of thinking. And here I want to say that there are many parents who do not include any spiritual guidance for their children. They usually say, let the children make up their own minds. But do you realise that those children have no alternatives to choose from if there is no spiritual input in their lives? Without alternatives, there's no choice to be made. The children will grow up knowing only 
the way of the world. It's like this. If children never get the chance to eat yogurt, how will they know whether they like it or not? Well, in my case, I was later baptised by immersion. There was a public witness showing I had chosen to follow Jesus and that I had accepted his beautiful sacrifice and that my sins were forgiven. Now, please don't get the idea that I was a saintly, protected, wouldn't-hurt-a-fly child. Not at all. I was fit, strong and full of life and prepared to stand up for myself as I did so when required. Several times I was caned by the school headmaster for minor, minor misdemeanours, and I enthusiastically played games and sports that were the go at school. No, I wasn't the top of my class, but my marks were fairly good. At around the age of 15, also, I heard some lectures about what was then known as health reform. In this day and age, there are many similar programs about how to stay healthy. Often, these modern health programs promote a plant-based diet, as did the lectures that I heard. I decided back then to become a vegetarian and have remained such for most of my life. The old image of pasty-faced, weak, skinny people who are vegetarians has long since gone. Vegetarians have many advantages over the omnivorous or carnivorous population, as by and large they generally live longer and healthier lives than most. I was serious about my beliefs and tried to put into practice what I knew to be right. Each morning and night I read something from my Bible, and usually each morning I prayed, committing myself to the Lord to do His good will. And again I prayed at night. I trained to be and became a teacher, although later on went into business. Back then, there was usually a lot of pressure put on young people to find a suitable partner with whom they would spend the rest of their lives. Unfortunately, in these modern times, about one in two marriages break up. When my wife and I married, it was for life. My wife seems to take pleasure in telling people how many girlfriends I had. Was it 15 or 16? I think she missed a few. During those late teen and early twenties times, when I went with girls, there were two things that I kept in mind. Number one, I wanted to live with someone who was of good character, who was capable, intelligent and pretty. And number two, I wanted to live with someone who had the same belief system as I had. My beliefs were based on the Bible, and it was important for me to live according to the principles of the Word of God, and it was important that my partner should live that way too. 
My younger brother married before I did. There were times when I wondered if I would end up being a bachelor. Although I had many girlfriends, never was there any sexual relationship. That had to wait until Miss Wright came along. One Sunday night, before going to bed, I knelt down and prayed an unusual prayer. You see, Miss Wright had not yet turned up, and I put my request to the Lord. Lord, I said, could you show me this week who my life partner will be? Little did I know that God had been organising things in a mysterious way behind the scenes that I knew nothing about. There is a text in the Bible that relates to my story. It's found in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, and it goes like this. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. My cousin Dean was working in the city of Adelaide as an insurance agent, and he was doing very well. He encouraged me to join the company he worked for. Although I'd been teaching for several years, I decided to break service and became a salesman working first for Encyclopedia Britannica and later for the AMP Society selling insurance. All new insurance trainees were put on a fixed wage known as a retainer while they established their clientele. Most of the appointments were made for the evenings when the potential clients would be at home. On the Tuesday evening following my unusual request to God, I was unable to arrange any appointments. So that evening I went to see a family I barely knew, where there were two young boys, hoping to interest the family in taking out some life insurance. The night was still young, so I decided to... I'm sorry. Um, yes, I was going to see these people to see if I could get some sales for life insurance, but, you know, that turned out to be a complete flop. Well, because it wasn't too late, I decided to go back to the boarding house where I lived when doing my teacher training to see Ralph. Ralph was single, he had a good-paying job, and he liked life insurance. Trouble is, Ralph was out. Because he was out, and thinking there were no prospects of making a sale that night, I spent the rest of the evening chatting to the landlady who owned the boarding house. Mrs Byrne was a warm-hearted old lady, a Christian, and we got on well together. While sitting at the large kitchen table talking, she announced that she had a girl staying with her. That was unusual, because she normally only had boys, that is, young men, as boarders, because, she claimed, girls were too much trouble. We're going to stop here and have a little break, and I'll go on straight afterwards.
Before the break, I was telling you how that my old landlady had said to me that girls were too much trouble. Well, while we were talking and soon afterward, we heard the hinges of the back door of the house creak, and into the kitchen walked a pretty young woman. This was the girl boarder. We were introduced and talked briefly. She had a cute accent. After a few minutes, she went to her room. Thoughts whirled up in my mind. Lord, is this real? Is this the girl you have chosen to be my life partner? Are you answering my prayer already? It was almost unbelievable to think that I'd prayed only on Sunday and this might be the answer to my prayer only two days later. I asked Mrs. Byrne where this lovely girl went to church. She said, she comes with me to the Seventh-day Adventist church at Edwardstown. When I left that night, I decided that the following Sabbath, that Saturday, I would pay a visit to the Edwardstown church as well. Do you know the feeling of when you are on the brink of a life-changing moment? That particular Sabbath morning I was filled with wonder mixed with excitement. I parked my car in the street and walked toward the front entrance of the church. Standing near the footpath was a group of young people. I knew some of them. Between the young people and the church there stood the girl I met at Mrs. Burns boarding house. She was alone. I walked up to her, greeted her, and asked if she would like to sit with me in church. She agreed. Little did I know, she was on a two-year youth working visa from Holland. I knew she was new in Adelaide, but little did I know she had a boyfriend in Melbourne, 
and little did I know there were already other young men interested in meeting her as well. We sat in church, enjoying the meeting, but enjoying even more being together. Something seemed to be happening between us. She later described the feeling as if electricity was working between us. She was surprised that all the thoughts of her boyfriend in Melbourne were melting away. After the service, Mrs. Byrne invited me to come home for lunch. So she and the electricity girl came with me in my car. I haven't got a clue what we had for lunch. I was filled with wonder and excitement. Later that afternoon, the electricity girl and I walked together near Waterfall Gully. It was nice being together. We were comfortable with each other. That evening, we had tea at my landlady's house, and later the electricity girl accompanied me to a home in the Adelaide Hills, where I had an insurance appointment. On the way back to the city, we stopped at Windy Point, otherwise known as Mitcham Heights, overlooking the city lights, and there we talked and talked and talked. Everything seemed to be so right. It was really hard to say goodbye that night. I was so thrilled, so grateful to God that he had answered my prayers in a positive way so soon. On the Sunday, we spent time together again. Well, ours was a whirlwind romance. In two weeks, we decided to marry. We married later that year and have been together for over half a century, as much in love as ever. We have three children, and I often think how my partner has been such a blessing and a very positive influence in my life. Many times I've considered this unusual event and regard our meeting and marriage as being organised by God. When you hear my wife's side of the story, it becomes even more fascinating. In Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9, is this tremendous verse. I have it highlighted in my Bible. It says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. My dear listeners, it has been my blessed experience to have such a wonderful outcome to my humble prayer that Sunday evening. But the question is, why did God answer my prayer? Apart from the fact that God is a good God, I believe God especially helps those who commit themselves to him and obey him, as the verse that I just read to you points out. If you, dear listeners, need some heavenly help, don't just implore God for help and after you get it, 
Forget about who gave you the help you needed. Make a commitment to him. And like what happened to me, God may surprise you. Well, there is so much more to tell, but it'll have to wait until another time. I've had other special experiences where God has done something very special for me, and he can do the same for you. So, until next time then, this is Len, wishing you God's blessings and hoping you will become one of his committed children. When my way groweth drear, precious Lord, linger near. When my life is almost gone, hear my cry, hear my call, hold my hand, lest I fall. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me on. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn Through the storm, through the night Lead me on to the light Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me all done and my race here is run let me see by the light thou hast shown that fair city so bright where the lamb is the light take my hand precious lord lead me on precious lord Take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I'm weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home.